0: Marketing success comes from identifying the right opportunities. And sponsoring the UpNext in Commerce podcast might just be the best opportunity you'll hear about today. With tens of thousands of listeners, expert creative, production, and strategic promotion teams at the helm, not to mention millions of impressions at the ready, this is a growth opportunity you should not ignore. Email me at stephanie@mission.org at to see how your business can benefit from partnering with the UpNext in Commerce team.
1: We redesigned it, built a lot of new algorithms, a science-powered hub for you. And the goal was that there's 180 million active buyers on eBay, there should be 180 million different Ebays because everybody's eBay is different.
2: Every shopping experience is unique and every shopper has specific wants and needs. That is one of the biggest struggles brands face in the world of e-commerce. How do you create a customer experience that resonates with and meets the needs of drastically different customers? This problem is magnified further when you run a marketplace that sells literally millions of different products to tens of millions of different users. eBay has 180 million active users, which according to Bradford Shellhammer, means that there needs to be 180 million different Ebays to match each of those users exact needs. Bradford is the Vice President of Buyer Experience at eBay, and part of his job is to make every eBay user fall in love with their eBay experience. On this episode of Up Next in Commerce, Bradford explains what that looks like in practical terms, including how they approach a homepage redesign, the importance of testing and experimentation, and the methods they have used to build trust among users. Enjoy this episode. next
0: in commerce is brought to you by salesforce commerce cloud respond quickly to changing customer needs with flexible e-commerce connected to marketing sales and service deliver intelligent commerce experiences your customers can trust across every channel together we're ready for what's next in commerce learn more at salesforce.com commerce Hey, everyone. It is Stephanie. Before we get started, I wanted to remind you to subscribe to our weekly e-commerce newsletter at mission.org slash commerce. It's amazing. It's great. You will learn a lot of good things. Go subscribe. Welcome back to another episode of Up Next in Commerce. I'm your host, Stephanie Postles, co-founder of mission.org. Joining us today is Bradford Shellhammer, the Vice President of the Buyer Experience at eBay. Bradford, welcome.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited to have you on. eBay, such an awesome name brand. I'm excited to dive into all things eBay. I've been a long time buyer there. But first, I want to kind of go into your background of what brought you to eBay. Like I see that you founded a a couple companies, a couple e-commerce companies. And I was hoping you could kind of touch on that before we jump into eBay.
1: Yeah, I think it's super cool to talk about because it's actually super personal for me. It's um, a pretty interesting story. So like it's a love affair, essentially, between myself and eBay. I like it. I've been a buyer on the platform since uh, 1999 because we can trace back and see like in our internal database, um, uh, like how long we've been shopping and when we created our account. So I've been a customer of eBay for over 20 years and the companies that I started, two of the three, were marketplaces. And they were marketplaces that were really founded on two principles, both of them. One was for buyers, helping them find treasure, awesome stuff, unique things, um, filling some kind of passion or interest. And for sellers, kind of propping up the little guy. Both of the companies that I found at Fab and Bazaar We're both um, heavily in the design space, in the modern design space. So that's furniture, graphic arts, posters, lighting, jewelry, handbags, accessories, and things. So fashion design. But my personal love affair with collecting, um, I have over 400 pairs of shoes. Um, I have a massive art collection. I have uh, probably more chairs than most people. Um, Most of these purchases over the last 25 years have been made on eBay. And so for me, I like was, I've inspired by the hunt on eBay. I'm a, what we call internally at eBay, a power user, a power customer. And um, now I have this awesome responsibility to um, help other people kind of fall in love with and use eBay the way that I do. So I was hired four and a half years ago. I met um, the then chief product officer who had some interest in one of my companies, bazaar. Turns out I sold that to another company, an Australian company, And I became a free market, was on the market, and I I was a free agent. And um, I'd never really worked at a real company before, a big company. You know, the previous 12 years kind of doing my own thing. Mm -hmm. And so they said, well, well, come join eBay. And my first role was I was the chief curator of eBay. And frankly, it was kind of a made-up role. And um, I had everyone thought I had great taste. And um, when I got to eBay... I really thought my job was going to be kind of curating through eBay and kind of surfacing that up to consumers. And what I quickly realized is that eBay scale is so much bigger than one person's taste. Mm -hmm. And that like some people, you know, are curating parts for a vintage Mercedes on eBay. And some people like myself are collecting design. And maybe other people are just using eBay because they have six kids and, you know, money's tight and buying them all new iPhones is just not possible. So they're looking for great deals. And so I, I really quickly just became very empathetic to the eBay customer's journey. And it said, wow, this Bradford, this is not about you. Can you help build tools to help other people find the things that they love rather than forcing your point of view or something that you love on people? And then I moved into our product org my second year. And um, that, the first project I took on was our homepage. We redesigned it. We built a lot of new algorithms and it kind of became like a, a science-powered like hub for you. And the goal was that you know, there's 180 now over 180 million um, active buyers on eBay. There should be 180 million different Ebays because everybody's eBay is different. It's not like other big box retailers or other kind of mass market e-commerce players where kind of we're buying commodity products or everybody's buying the same thing. And my team really builds the experience that should adapt and respond to customers' interest and in helping them find what they're looking for.
0: That's great. So taking on the homepage design seems like a lot of responsibility. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me a bit about what that looked like. What did the customer buying behavior look like before? And what does that look like now? And how did you get there?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. So I inherited an experience that uh, was about five years old, and it was called the feed. And that was the homepage. And it was a Pinterest-esque experience. And so when customers would save things, we have this concept called saving. It's a little heart, you click on it and it saves. You can save a search, you can save a seller, you can watch a single individual item. It would populate kind of a visual grid of like products that are related to that. The problem with that is that it required customers to kind of groom their own experience. And so for power customers, The feed was awesome because like myself, I have 150 saved searches and it's just this beautiful grid of like new products populating every day of hitting all the either brands that I'm following or the sellers that I love uh, kind of what they're selling. But for the the, the normal shopper, um, not your power customer, they were really missing out on kind of personalized content because it literally required them to like do work to curate it themselves. So the project that we decided to do, was, was there a hybrid of that? Could you still have some of that content for the power user be front and center on the homepage? But could you have machine learning and science pick up behaviors, patterns of, of just what people are clicking on or searching for or which emails they're opening and have that be enough to, to curate a homepage experience without them having to do the explicit work of saying, Show me more of this clicking on, clicking on a heart or saying, I want to save this. And so what happened was more people, with, as a result of that first product we launched, uh, more people ended up having personalized content, which was a win. Because previously, it was, it was personalized content mostly just for power customers. Now a more casual customer still gets that benefit.
0: Got it. That's, that's great. So when it comes to projects like that, internally, I'm sure there was a lot of stakeholders and a lot of people had a lot of different ideas. How did you rally everyone around, you know, getting a homepage launch without it taking? I mean, I could see that project taking maybe like a year at other companies.
1: Yeah, I have to tell you, like, this is where it's like, um, I think, um, well, first of all, you know, I don't want to give away too much of the sausage making, but eBay is surprisingly entrepreneurial. Mm -hmm. Um, We move pretty fast. And we don't, I think, have a lot of the bureaucracy that probably a lot of companies of our scale have. So first of all, I almost felt like, wow, they're giving me the keys to, to the car. Yeah. And for the most part, we have a, you know, a, a very strong test and learn culture. So like, we don't just flip the switch on something and see how it works. We, like, we test and learn and, and we, we do lots of hundreds and hundreds of A-B tests and, and we're, we're constantly testing everything. So Like we would never launch anything that didn't resonate with our customers, so there was safety I think baked into kind of all of our hypotheses, knowing that you have to actually prove that something that an idea you had is worthy of launch. But like you know, I think that that's where I think my entrepreneurial background and my non-tech background. You know, I I, I've started companies, but I don't have a formal technology education at all. Mm -hmm. You know, I have a fashion design degree and a communications degree. So um, this is where I think just like the hitting the pavement and telling a story and crafting a vision and and getting people to march along with you, whether they're marketers or engineers or designers or whatever, I think suited me in this role in in the early days. Yeah,
0: that's really cool. So when you were talking about the A-B testing, how you guys test everything, were there any surprises of something that you thought was really going to work and it actually failed?
1: You know what? I have to be honest. Like, I don't want to say that this is because my team is super smart. um, But like, I think that the best product managers and the best designers and the best experiences out there are ones that are really rooted in want something super simple just listening to your customer. And so if you're if you're literally like baking all your hypothesis and, and li- really listening like combing through feedback, we have a myriad of surveys on different pages, we do lots of focus groups, we do tons of research, user research, we do tons of dog fooding internally you kind of weed out the things that aren't going to work way before you even start to build them usually. And so for for us, it's like if you have that like real commitment to just listening to your customer through the process rather than having someone come in and just say, I want to do this thing. Because when you listen to your actual customers, like um, there's a real great respect for them and you actually don't want to break their current experience. You just want to make it better. And I think a lot of times where I've seen products fail, and I'm not going to go into the details of what they were, but I have seen, maybe not so much in my team, but I have seen this happen, both in and outside of eBay, is usually when someone that doesn't really have the customer's voice in their head is kind of just like either taking something that's their personal preference or looking at a competitor that may look like a competitor from the outside. So a lot of companies are compared to eBay. Because they sell things online, Mm -hmm. but if you really look at eBay and why people shop at eBay, it's a very different customer than a lot of the kind of the big players. So constantly comparing ourselves to other competitors who aren't really competitors, other than they compete for wallet share, not like the heart and soul of our customers, I think sometimes is where I've seen product managers go off and, and, and usually go somewhere that's... At, at the end of the day, it just wasn't what our customers were asking for. And that's our job. Mm-hmm. Our job is to literally listen to our customers and build experiences for them and take the things they love, make it better, and take the things they hate and change it. Mm-hmm. And I really think that like if you ground yourself and your whole organization in that kind of just like real deep customer empathy, you don't make too many mistakes.
0: Yeah. How do you think about... I'm thinking about surveying customers right now. Like how do you frame questions in a way that will actually get you what you need when it comes to like how to shape an experience? Because I could see framing it in a way that actually gives you maybe the wrong, like the customers tell you something and it leads you down the wrong path or it's like, oh, someone says they want that, but like actually no one's going to really use that or we see that no one uses it. Like how do you think about framing questions in a way that will actually be successful with like testing?
1: It's a great question. You know, we have teams of people that focus on that at eBay. So like the feedback we get is that we actually have like feedback forms on specific pages of the site. So there's this thing, called I'll give you an example. There's this thing called My eBay. It's kind of like your profile hub kind of thing. But because eBay, you could be a buyer or a seller. So you have to have a place where all the things that you've bought live, but also all the things that you're selling or sold live. It's like the hub of the the eBay customer. Like, if you just sent an email with a survey of like, how do you feel about eBay or like an NPS survey, you're not going to get like the detailed feedback that will make that product better. And so here are some of the things that like, we get like very specific feedback, like purchase history. There are people that literally have, because they're business buyers, or let's just say they're resellers, people that are buying thousands of records a year and then reselling them. Mm -hmm. And like, we don't have the functionality to let them search through their purchase history. So they can't literally search David Bowie and find the things. And this is like a number one complaint of our customers. And you only would find that out if like, because we're like literally asking very specific, what would you do differently to this this exact experience or page? Mm -hmm. I think that's where you get like awesome feedback. You can get that through like just general feedback collecting too, if you're able to like actually comb through and pick up the patterns And scour through them because you're right, you might get like one or two people that are really vocal about something that a lot of people don't want. But the things that are like really, really asked for, they rise to the top very quickly on eBay. There's also a, a myriad of forums out there, seller forums, Reddit boards, where people are talking about both pain and opportunities for eBay to be better. And oftentimes those are like through the lens of like a vertical lens. Mm -hmm. So you have like these sneaker enthusiasts or watch enthusiasts or who are like literally talking about where eBay fails them. And it might not be something that we'd see like if we're looking at eBay just really generally, but for very specific customers, there are some things that matter more than others. And so one of the big um, changes in our philosophy this year has been to start thinking about what are those enthusiast groups And these like, oftentimes they're aligned with verticals or or categories. So watch lovers, sneaker lovers, streetwear lovers, stamp collectors, comic book collectors, and really understanding like, are there unique needs that are outside of just like the normal shopping experience that we have to either fix or introduce for those customers too. It's nonstop kind of just taking in feedback, like we actually need more, (laughs) Um, but like, that's like, I would say probably 10% of my team's job is to literally spend 10% of their week. It's just combing through that stuff to gleam any like kind of insight into kind of what we should be working on or what we need to, to focus on.
0: Yeah, that, that's a really good point about going to different sites like the Reddits of the world and looking at what different niche audiences are talking about. Because I've always wondered, you know, when I see or I have an issue and I see a lot of people having that issue. I'm like, oh, why isn't this company just looking on this Reddit forum and seeing that there's thousands of people all trying to figure out yeah. the same thing? That's probably like an easy product fix.
1: It's an easy product fix. And I'll tell you what else is really super cool about that is that it also makes kind of your like competitive analysis because you can see like your customers talking about you and you, you also see the other companies that they reference as competitors. Mm-hmm. So you really get to see like, and for eBay, as I said, it's super like, it's super verticalized. Like there are people that buy, you know, like hundreds of thousand of dollar watches on eBay. There are literally people that spend thousands of dollars for watches left and right on eBay. And guess what? They're not going to, I'm not going to say their names, but the big marketplaces that buy that. They're more verticalized players. So we also have like, like hundreds of competitors when you slice it vertically. It's also a great place to just hear them talk about either the good or the bad of our competitors through a lens too. So you can like, you can kind of stack, you can see the sentiment of like how they feel about you versus them. And you can also see like, where are we winning and where do we have to be better very clearly in those forums too.
0: Yeah, that's such a good point. When you're talking about these vertical players and how to think about that, it reminds me of, I read an article about the unbundling of a lot of platforms, whether it's Reddit, or next door, or Craigslist, how turning it into like separate products. I don't know if you've heard about this, but how do you think about that at eBay right now? Because it kind of sounds like you're doing that with these different niche audiences in a way, like pulling them apart to give them a more personal experience. Yep. For example, like with Reddit, maybe there's, you know, thousands of different conversations going on around different topics. And then there's a picture that shows, okay, this topic here is all around neighbors and things like that. Oh, what do you know? Like next door popped up. Yep. And like, pulled that off the platform in a way. And then, Oh, they're talking about like gaming here. Oh, Here's a gaming like platform that popped up. So actually like pulling apart a platform to give it unique experiences for the people who are interested in that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you can obviously any, you can look and see, there's, I think a lot of, you know, we're, we're the original, like we were doing (laughs) this. Yeah, we really are like, like super, like seriously, like, like before there were all like, we were the gig economy. We were the, niche marketplace. We were the vertical marketplace. We still are like we literally invented uh, or were one of the originals. And so you can look around and you can see like even fab.com, it was a vertical, it was a marketplace for design. Mm -hmm. Like some of them come, some of them go, some of them have real great staying power. And a few of them have been super successful. Here's why I think we're uniquely positioned and why I think going back to building verticalized experiences. And when I say that, I want to make sure that it's not, I'm not, it's not niche. Mm-hmm. It is building horizontal capabilities that can flex. And like, you might need the ability to have high ASP or high, high payments. Um, sometimes it's, you know, you're buying things that are 20, 30, $40,000. That's yeah. art, high-end art. That's high-end collectibles. That's high-end watches. That's also like business and industrial equipment, tractors. We sell a lot of this. So although those like shopping experiences wouldn't be the same beginning to end, there might be a piece of that, like a payment, the ability to have some kind of payment support for large purchases as part of your strategy. So for us, it's about, um, I think, building horizontal capabilities that can benefit multiple verticals. Then you slice up, we're calling them platforms, a vertical platform. You slice up a piece of that, a piece of this one, a piece of that one. And suddenly you're like, you're basically stacking. It's, it's like a menu for this kind of shopper. You need these five things. And for this one, you need these six things. And so it's not like separate branding. It's not like suddenly you, you're in an experience that doesn't feel or work like eBay, but it's just building different kinds of capability into the shopping experience. And that's, gonna, that's our strategy right now. And it's super cool. And I think that the great thing about eBay is the scale. So for small upstarts and, and small vertical players, they got to spend a ton of money to get people to come onto their platform. I mean, a ton, they have to bleed millions, hundreds of millions of dollars. Like eBay has an audience. We have traffic. We have global reach. We have like hubs of, of like really major, like we're an iconic brand in Germany and Australia and in, in Israel in Canada in. The UK. So there are all these benefits to being kind of this large platform that um, and mostly traffic, I think, and just like a, a, a giant active enthusiast customer base. I think it's on us to just crack the, what is the end-to-end product experience? And maybe there's other things that have to change policy, how we rate our sellers, how we rate our buyers. There's probably other things we're rethinking right now too, that's more than just experience. But um, I don't think it's... Um, The reinvention of eBay. I think it is the morphing of eBay for certain types of customers.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Have you seen over the past couple of years, buyer behaviors changing? Like, are you preparing for something new over the next couple of years or adjusting strategy a bit after seeing, you know, changes with COVID? I think I read that eBay did very, you know, did pretty well. Like, is there anything new that you're preparing for now?
1: COVID, you know, is a horrible thing. Like, yep. And, but what was like got a lot of us through it in the early days at eBay was like, as like supply chain was shutting down, warehouses were shutting down, it was hard to get things. The one thing that was working was just like, you know, how distributed the um, inventory of eBay was, and how, mm-hmm. you know, this sector of the country or the world may have shut down, but there's all these parts over here that can ship things around. And, and it was super cool to witness like, that um, you know, eBay like worked, and it allowed like some people who were home to you know make some money, come in and sell for the first time. It allowed businesses that maybe had struggled during the time they might have closed physical retail down or or something like that. It gave them another channel. So we have a new CEO. His name's Jamie Iannone. He um, was an eBay veteran that went and worked for Walmart for many years, and he's come back and he's come back with such a force, and so. The great news about our new CEO is he is really setting a strategy that honors eBay's past meaning going back and valuing our sellers who without we we literally don't have a company so like and literally saying publicly that you know he's focused on on eBay being the seller's platform of choice And on the buying side, it's like about going back and listening to our enthusiast customers. We're like strategically positioning ourselves to to be there for those buyers and sellers more than ever. And so I said, in terms of this, like what we're seeing right now, we're seeing a lot of people looking at eBay for the first time. We're seeing a lot of people reconsidering eBay and we're seeing our best customers um, continue to shop with eBay. And it's on us right now to um, take advantage of this time. And um, I think go back and really listen to our customers. As I said at the beginning of the the podcast was, you know, um, not just like, I'm talking, I was talking about like listening to very specific feature feedback or page feedback in our experience or app feedback. But like we as a company are just listening to our buyers and sellers in a way that we haven't during my time. And much of our strategy is just emerging from that. And it's super cool to have like new leadership that is all about customer, customer, customer.
0: Yeah, that's really great. When it comes to the new customers who maybe still kind of have an old perception of what eBay is like, oh, it's an auction site, maybe haven't visited in a while. How are you appealing to these new people who are starting to think about you? Like I'm sure you have, Very different messaging to someone who is new versus your current customers who are sticky. And, you know, once they start buying or selling, like they're probably going to stay there for a while.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that this is kind of like, you know, part of what brought me to eBay. I I love eBay. And I feel like a lot of people don't know enough about our goodness. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of that is because I think previous years, uh, before Jamie came on board, I think we were not really owning what we really were. Mm -hmm. You know, eBay is really an awesome place to buy non-new and seasoned merchandise. And that means refurbished products, that means outlet products, that means used products, that means new and not in box. And so I think that there was a lot of confusion probably for especially young consumers, because I think that there wasn't a clarity of message around what eBay was just externally. It wasn't necessarily clear internally. And so I'm very optimistic that this like clarity around where we're going to compete and who, who why, and, and the buyers and sellers that we value, I think you will see, we have to earn it. We have to earn it with every single sale. We have to earn it with every single seller that comes back onto the platform. We have to earn it with a first-time buyer. But I, I think that, um, you know, it's less about like how we're going to talk to our existing customers versus our new customers, I think in my eyes, because I actually think we need to say the same thing, mm-hmm. which is there's a lot of magic in, to eBay. And it's not your typical shopping experience. And that's okay. That's cool. I think about like eBay when I'm thinking about like comparing like Airbnb to hotel chains. It's like Airbnb, there's a little something for everyone there. You can rent a mansion, you can rent a cot in a a yurt Mm -hmm. and everything in between. And It's high and low and it's um, all around the world. And there's something that's like, there's, I think of eBay in the same way that it's like super inclusive and there's something here for everyone. What I don't think people realize is that like eBay is full of, I say two things awesome for buyers, awesome deals and really great treasure, which is unique, hard to find or, or super interesting stuff. But I think that those two things probably appeal to a really broad set It's on us to to tell that story. It's on us to tell that story like vocally in the press. It's on us to tell that story in our branding and our marketing. And it's on us to tell our story in our product. And I don't know if we've done that well enough up until um, recently where we're starting to kind of pivot towards that, listening to our best customers and and buyers and sellers and and, and building things for them.
0: Yeah. So with marketplaces, there's always a question around trust. How are you guys going about showcasing that and convincing especially maybe new buyers that like this can be trusted and our sellers can be trusted because I think at least back in the days that was something. Yep. I mean even on Amazon people still worry of like is this a good seller? So what are you guys doing behind the scenes?
1: Trust is probably like one of our the biggest things we have to work on and have worked on. I'll just speak a little generally and then I'll tell you about a very specific thing that we're doing for trust that I think will be super exciting. Cool. Yep. So one and it's just launched. So for trust I think you know we're aware that when the scale of eBay and the just the diversity of seller of inventory of even condition that we probably have it's even more compounded the trust the trust issues at eBay There's just so many variables here, yeah, and so we are taking it very seriously right now through planning for next year, especially um, and talking about kind of all the things that we're going to do to combat trust, so it's everything from um you know. Uh, doubling down on some of our policies that protect buyers. So we have, you know, a money back guarantee. We, we, we essentially, for most products on the site, guarantee that customers are going to get what they're expecting. And so I don't think a lot of people realize that like most of the things you buy on eBay, are, we have this like baked in protection, but that, I don't think that's enough. And so I'll give you an example of why I don't think that's enough. Here, I'll give you an example. I'd mentioned it earlier and it's launched and it's live now um, as of a couple of weeks ago. If you're buying a watch that's over $2,000, which is a high-end luxury watch, these are like the Rolexes, the Omegas of the world. They can go way higher than that. eBay's one of the biggest places to buy these watches. Like it's kind of massive. It's a business within a business. Mm -hmm. The biggest concern that our buyers tell us is that, you know, they're afraid that like, am I really getting a Rolex? Am I getting yeah. the real thing? Authenticity really matters. Yeah,
0: for $2,000, it better be real.
1: <laughs> yeah, Ten thousand dollars I mean, I see some of the sales at $30,000, $60,000. Like, oh <laughs> like, you don't want to like take a chance of, am I not going to get it? Is it going to be fake? Is it going to be scratched? They're going to have... So we we decided to tackle trust through a vertical lens, meaning... And and it's even, it's not just a category because it's not all watches, but watches over $2,000. We we have launched a new program that's called Authenticity Guaranteed, where eBay is guaranteeing that any watch sold on its platform domestically, so in the United States, we have plans to expand, but currently in the United States, that's over $2,000, that we will guarantee its authenticity. So what we've done is we've partnered with amazing partners who we vet it that can ver- verify and authenticate high-end luxury watches we force an intermediate shipping so the buyer has the on, when they make the purchase they see very clearly badging program details say this watch is covered under our authenticity guarantee and you have nothing to worry about it's authentic. it's going to be authentic mm-hmm. we have the seller ship the watch to a third-party verification service. They look at it, they compare it. If it's not in its original boxing, because a lot of these watches are sold with original boxes. If it's not in its original boxing, we repackage it in eBay box and then we uh, express ship it out to the buyer and we catch any kind of problem with counterfeits or other kind of issues before it gets into the hands of the buyer. And so it's really meant to stop buyers getting fake products or damaged products. Mm -hmm. For the seller, it's also a really awesome thing too, because oftentimes people will, you know, buy a watch and we have buyers that have scammed our sellers. So us being in the middle of both the buying and the return process, it basically is our way of just ensuring that both buyers and sellers are protected. And it's just, it's third-party authentication of luxury goods. And so we rolled it out and we're going to be expanding the program even more. And like, that is very real and very different eBay. Us literally getting in the middle of a transaction and protecting both our best buyers and our best sellers. And we're going to do more of that next year. And when I say more of that, I'm, I'm not just talking about like more things to authenticate, but I'm also talking about just more picking apart like a very um, important customer base and their buying behavior and where they have concerns with eBay, whether... And a lot of it, it, it goes back to trust, frankly. It's like, I don't trust eBay as a buyer. I don't trust eBay as a seller because you don't offer these kinds of protections. And we're literally getting those protections through a vertical lens more, more often.
0: Oh, that, that's great. I mean, that seems really smart and strategic because, I mean, I trust eBay as a brand... And I would trust whatever you guys say, but, you know, I might not trust the buyer or the sellers. So what recommendations would you give to other e-commerce companies around developing trust? Like, what do you think is most important? Is it reviews? Are there things that other companies right now maybe are missing out on that they should be doing?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. You bring up reviews, and I think that that is also a unique eBay opportunity too. You know, Our catalog is, you know, we have like so many listings, like in every condition from every year, from all over the globe. It's really hard to kind of comb through it all. Reviews, I think, are interesting, but I really love the review of the seller. So where a lot of e-commerce companies are like reviewing an individual product, like an actual item, like this cooler or this microphone or these pairs of shoes. I think that eBay has that opportunity where we have the right catalog. And I think that we're, we're, we're leaning in there in certain categories, but I think a more interesting eBay opportunity is to really celebrate the seller and to talk about are they trusted? Because a lot of the stuff that eBay sells, a lot of stuff on our site, you can't actually get a review. Much of it is like not that kind of product. A good example, like comic books, like I know I want this Spider Man, whatever it is. The thing that I care about it is it, do I trust this seller? that the condition that they're saying it is, it is, And so I think like the concept of reviewing a seller mm-hmm. and trusting them, I think is super interesting to lean into. Yep. I think it's super interesting to lean into, especially where a lot of our, it, and eBay's a little different all over the world. So I don't know how much you know about that too. So like in the US, the business is very different than the way it looks in UK. It's very different than in Australia. So for some of those places in Australia, like I'll give you an example we have a lot of brands and the top brands and top retailers selling direct on eBay. So it's like, we are a channel for them. So um, there the trust is, you know, the trust opportunity is about like, is this one of these iconic brands that I trust? I know their inventory, but in other parts of the country, there's like a lot of small businesses, a lot of people who have built like cult followings on, Instagram, a lot of people that literally have brick and mortar stores in small towns um, and main streets. And they have um, been able to survive in a world of like big box retailers and mega malls because they've had this outlet to sell things from their physical location on eBay globally. And so like, I think we should show that off more. I think if someone knew they were buying a record or a bunch of records from a record dealer who who's had a shop since the early eighties and, you know, downtown Buffalo, and I'm making that up, but it probably does exist. Like that, that would be a level of trust, right? Like, you know, that this person is the real deal. And there's something about that, that I I get excited about thinking about when you say reviews is leaning in and it's, it's less about reviews, but more about like, can I trust this seller? Who are they? Where do they exist? Like, what is their point of view? What do they specialize in? What are they experts in? How can I communicate with them? I get excited about that.
0: Yep. I love that. Because I mean, even from a human perspective, it's like, what do you remember? Are you going to remember, like you said, the product? Or are you to remember the person, the face, like the story behind it? And then that would come top of mind next time. i like, oh, I want to go to Bob's record store and get another record from him because he did a great job last time versus where did I buy that?
1: And that's the difference between like us. Like I talked about Jamie and our new, sh- and our new kind of pivot, and our new strategy. Like what you just said is super important. I don't know if you're buying diapers or if you're buying toilet paper or you're buying replacement batteries, that that kind of person to person connection matters that much. Yeah, It's about price, right? Is this the thing I'm looking for and who gets Who is it the cheapest? And sometimes is it the cheapest plus the quickest? And I think a lot of times eBay, just because of like the diversity of our inventory sources, we get to compete there too, because we have all these different sources of inventory. And oftentimes we're the best price. But when you talk about things like collectible sneakers or vintage handbags or coins or um, antiques or um, vintage camera equipment or car parts, like suddenly like who you're buying it from matters. It not only matters from the feel good, I'm like helping the little guy kind of community aspect of eBay, but it also matters from the trust and part of like people that are, do have passions, whether they're collecting or enthusiasts, part of the, the joy of that whole thing is not just the accumulation of things, it's the connections to people that come with the process of accumulating those things. And that is where like eBay, that happens just naturally because it's our DNA, but we need to like tap into that way more than we do currently and, and we will. And, and that's, that's, that's the stuff that we're talking about internally right now.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I think that's also just such a good point for any new like D C companies coming out right now that like the story behind it. I mean, I know a lot of people sometimes are like, oh, I don't want to talk about myself. But I remember going to, you know, certain websites and looking at that about page and seeing like, oh, it's like, you know, a certain family member is behind it. And here's how it was inspired. I think like Charles Webb comes to mind and uh, yep. a couple other ones. But like you remember that story of why they're doing what they're doing. And that's way more of a spot to connect on than maybe just the product. Like you still have to have a good product, but I think telling that story is important.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's not one or the other, it's both. And when it's both, it's like, pow, that's like, that's where the magic happens. And and again, we're coming back to that more than we have probably in the recent history of the company.
0: Yeah, very cool. So, you were just mentioning earlier about like international audiences, like you guys have a global presence. How do you think about developing, you know, your website and like your offerings and telling the story behind different maybe like catalogs and things like that? Like, how do you think about approaching that from a global perspective?
1: Prior to COVID, I spent, I would say, half of my time not in New York City. So, I have a global role and obviously work for a company that's headquartered in California, but I really, really spent a lot of the last four years on the road and really listening to customers. And when I say customers, I mean also, so eBay is like, we have global functions. So product and technology is one of the things that are global. It's based mostly, although we have people that work on it, distributed across the world, it's, it's headquartered in, in California. And that's kind of the epicenter, but like, we also have like markets regional teams. So we have like, because of the scale of our business, they're like, Big companies within a big, really big company. We have like these. Um, we have an Australian headquarters. We have an, an Asian headquarters. We have an Israeli headquarters. We have a Russian headquarters. We have a German headquarters. We have a UK. And a lot of the business, merchandise, marketing, like just um, operations, the, the the people that are closest to the customers and market are in the in those countries. And you do see nuance of differences of how people use products. Like, it's super interesting. Like, uh, I'll give you an example. We launched, um, we launched the ability to create an account on eBay with um, Google, Facebook, and, and now Apple. This is like, you know, this is nothing revolutionary. It's been around since 10 years, but we launched it finally at eBay a couple of years ago. And we've seen a lot of adoption because that's just the, the, lot of, the normal way a lot of people create accounts. They don't have to think about a, a username and a password and remember it for individual websites. They just click a button, they link their Google, and it's one-click sign-in. Um, like, Germans don't want to do that.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: Um, and you realize that, like, suddenly this product that, like, there are parts all over the world, and then you realize that there are, like, you know, very real differences. There are very real differences in how people want to pay for things. Germans, again, don't don't use credit cards the way that a lot of the West does. There are very specific payments forms in in China and that that, um, you know, that we just don't have in the U.S. And you start to see like you see nuance in the categories they shop globally, country to country. Often you see nuance in payment choices. You see nuance in like privacy. Mm -hmm. Some countries care a lot less than other countries about it. It is really interesting uh, to see kind of the outliers where something doesn't work somewhere. We test things and sometimes like something is a, hit, a runaway hit in one country and, and it's just like kind of sometimes negative in others. Yep. It's a really fascinating part of our job is like, how do you launch global product by respecting local nuance? And what we have done is we have like actually a team of, you know, Um, it's a pretty decent sized team, but we have a team that actually takes our like global product tech platform and sometimes builds newer experience that are market specific. On top of it. example is we have a, you can buy groceries in Australia on eBay. Oh, interesting. You can't anywhere else, but because of just the size of the country and kind of like the epicenters of where people actually live and partnerships with the top, Grocery companies there, we actually built like a grocery shopping experience on eBay, which no one would ever think of that. So we do sometimes build different things in different markets, depending, but by and large, I would say I would say 95% of what we do is we have a global audience is kind of all kind of shop and view eBay the same way. So it's, it's not too much.
0: That's pretty great. I mean, are there any like international trends or shifts that you see happening right now that you guys are preparing for or leaning into?
1: Um, No, I mean, I think that like, I think that the shifts that we see are, um, again, I think we are, we're really, I think this vertical approach, looking at different verticals and really understanding that customer's journey end to end, how they landed on eBay, um, how they browse and shop and search for eBay, how they consider, what they expect in terms of protections and, and trust um, and, and how they, they want to pay for it and what they expect what returns and, and guarantees. We're doing that everywhere. What's different is that there may be some verticals that matter here and don't matter there. And that's what we're kind of working on right now is like, you know, um, I I mentioned the watch business in the United States, and that's definitely a global one, but there might be some that are more U.S. focused. There might be some that are more European focused. There might be some more that are more APAC focused. But other than that, I think it's just applying the same playbook. It just might be a different vertical or or different category focus in certain countries or regions.
0: That is great. All right. So we have not too much time left, but I want to jump into the lightning round unless there's anything else you want to talk about. No, yeah, this
1: was great. Thank you. I mean, I, I, it was it's so funny. Like, as I said, I like really drink the juice of eBay and like just talking about eBay gets me excited. So thanks for <laughs> letting me just, um, you know, riff on how awesome the place I work is.
0: Yep. Yeah. I like that excitement. That's what I love to talk about and have people come on the show and be passionate about where they work and what they're excited about. So it's been perfect. All right. Lightning round brought to you by Salesforce Commerce Cloud. This is where I'm going to throw a question your way and you have a minute or less to answer. Are you ready, Bradford? Okay. All right. So this one, I think you'll have a great answer to. What is the either best or most memorable purchase you've ever made on eBay?
1: Oh my God. Well, I'll tell you what, I just found out what my first purchase was and it's really embarrassing. It was an MC (laughs) Lite, who you don't even know who that is, I'm sure. An MC Lite CD. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I'm like, okay so what what is this tell me a little bit more because i do not know
1: fantasy light is like one of the earliest female hip-hop artists <laughs> and was very famous in like the late 80s early 90s kind of did some yeah, i with queen latifah but like
0: ah okay and that was my
1: first purchase
0: <laughs> well do you still have it i hope so
1: i don't still have it i don't have CDs anymore but oh. i've bought probably five or six original Andy. i have a, a warhol collection um, and I've bought probably five or six of them on eBay. So I'm someone that actually buys high-end art on eBay. And um, and those are oftentimes steals. I mean, they're not inexpensive, but in terms of just like the actual cost, it would be out in like the market of like um, the art market through dealers and or um, at auction. I got great, great, great deals.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, very cool. We'll have to see some pictures of some of your art. I can send it to
1: you. There's too much.
0: <laughs> that would be cool. I'd love to see it. So once we can travel again, what's up next in your travel destinations?
1: Oh, uh, it's so funny. Like I Right before we grounded, i just gotten back from a wedding of one of my best friends in South Africa. And then I went to Rwanda and Zanzibar and I flew 300,000 miles last year. So this is really hurting that I'm not traveling. My favorite two cities in the world are Berlin and Rio de Janeiro. Mm-hmm. And I am dying to get back um, to both of them, probably especially Rio.
0: <laughs> Very cool. We need to follow you on Instagram and Twitter, wherever you are to keep up with uh, where you are at in the world.
1: It used to be more interesting. It was a beach every, every weekend, uh, not anymore. You know, I got to travel to really cool places for work. Like you get to go to Sydney, you get to go to Tel Aviv, you get to go to Berlin, you get to go to London. Um, it, was, it was a real luxury. I don't know. I'm sleeping better now. So maybe it's, it's not all bad.
0: Yep. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Less jet lag. If you were to have a podcast, what would it be about? And who would your first guest
1: be? Oh my God. It would totally be like completely not about e-commerce. It would be about like, it would probably be about music and drag queens and gay pop culture. Um, And my first guest, I think it would have to be RuPaul. Um. sounds
0: awesome. Hey, I mean, not all podcasts have to be about e-commerce. I mean, we have the best one. So there doesn't need to be anymore.
1: I don't want to compete with you, right? Yeah.
0: There you go. You don't want to compete with us. You don't want this. All right. And last, uh, harder question. What one thing will have the biggest impact on e-commerce in the next year?
1: Um, this is a good, obviously the answer is COVID. Mm -hmm. I think it's completely changed uh, a lot of consumer behavior. I think it's really changed a lot of industry. I think a lot of people that didn't sell or buy online are now doing that. And I think, um, I'm curious, like, as we hopefully pull ourselves out of this globally, and I hope we get to a place sooner than later of some kind of normalcy in the world that I think that for e-commerce, the, just the playing field has shifted. It's going to be a different, different game. And um, I don't, I think we have some signs, early signs of what we think that looks like for eBay. And, and I think, you know, a lot of podcasts and articles I read are pontificating on it, but I don't think we have the answers yet, but like, this is, and that's probably the answer for just life too, not just e-commerce life, but definitely COVID.
0: Yeah, completely agree. All right, Bradford, it's been a blast talking. Where can people find out more about you and your work?
1: They can um, uh, shop on eBay and see it live in flesh. Most yeah. of the things that a buyer touches, then you can follow me on Instagram, young Bradford, if you want. I'm boring on Twitter. I'm, I'm a more visual person.
0: All righty. We will try and find you there then. Thanks so much.
1: All right, thank you. This was a pleasure. Thank you so much.
0: Hey everyone I hope you enjoyed this episode if you did you'll probably also love our e-commerce newsletter to get it delivered straight to your inbox every week sign up at mission.org slash
2: upnext in commerce up Next in commerce is brought to you by salesforce commerce cloud and created by the team at mission.org subscribe now at apple podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts